You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You see, it's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. Ho, 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 ye of little faith. Yep. Welcome. Oh, we're starting. (laughs) I mean, I pushed the button and I knew that it was recording, but I didn't realize we were starting. Just welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that someone does like a mashup of all my welcomes because I want to know if I do it the same key each and every time. (laughs) That would be so fun to see. I should do it myself, but I'm lazy. also, we both have like 40 side hustles. That's true. <laughs> so, I have a full-time job and 39 side hustles. So please, someone else do this. This one thing for us. Please. Please, please and thank you. <laughs> oh. oh, Ebony, I'm looking down into my doggy's beautiful brown eyes, and he's so sweet. And for some, now. For now, I know, until he starts <laughs> licking the carpet again. Oh, he's such a... Ugh. I love him, but oh my gosh. makes it very difficult. (laughs) So funny this last Christmas. I bring my dogs with me to Christmas, so I'll just drive down to central Illinois. And we'll be like there for, I don't know, a good week and a half or whatever. And this last time around was the second time I brought Puddle, because I've only had him for almost, no, I guess, yeah, like three years. So he's only gone to Christmas, I think, for the last two years. Oh, that might be wrong. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But last Christmas, uh, we were talking about him. And my mom, I was trying to explain all of his behavioral quirks, which is the nice way of saying what a just irritating little dog he is. Uh, and my mom pipes in and goes, he's dumb as a box of rocks. No! <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed because it's kind of true. Yeah. Dumb as a box of rocks. That's so cute. Though. I know. <laughs> I wish I could have heard it with her little accent and all. <laughs> well, you kind of just did. <laughs> hey. And now Sweet Pea's barking at me. What? Oh, I know. There's a pillow on the ground. That's what she's barking at. Hey. What? I mean, I have. I'm just going to leave this all in. Okay. This is what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen of the podcast. She's naughty right now. Stop. She was doing so well. She was just laying down the yeah. last podcast that we recorded because we record a couple at a time. 
She was just laying down next to me. It was all very sweet and nice. <laughs> and then she left. And I was like, okay, cool. She just found another place to lay down. But no, she comes back bringing her deer antler that she chews on. And she then proceeded to chew on it the entire hat, like rest of yeah. the podcast. So I'm sure we everyone, while you're listening to the live Broadway cast, rec- or cast recording, the podcast the recording, you'll hear a nice little chewing sound through half of it. It's all right. You know, it's just <laughs> it is a what good thing I love them. That's all. <laughs> well, uh, well, oh, so you've stumbled upon Theater Geeks Anonymous. <laughs> oh, that's right. We should say that. May I mean, maybe. I feel like y'all have an idea of what you're getting yourselves into. <laughs> Theater Geeks Anonymous. Oh, oh, you know what? We forgot to even do that on the last episode well, we that we did recorded. We say, like, who we were, but we didn't yeah. say, like... What this show usually talks about is, <laughs> which we, is, yeah, we talk uh, about Broadway, flops, Broadway flops, scandals, and new works, and uh, we usually uh, we talk about who fails, who sues, and then we try to tell the story. Sweet but Sweet Pea is like super it against it today. She's like, I'm not having this. I don't understand why you try to continue to record when I have said mm-hmm. you're not allowed. Yeah. Oh, you and know you what? Actually, stop. you know what I think it is. What? My refrigerator stopped working at oh, the beginning no. of this week, and so I think literally that it's just the half rotten food inside of it that she's smelling and that she wants to get at. Is that the most disgusting thing ever? Okay, here's the thing. Your All of you died this week? This is did. the first I'm hearing about. I know. Because there were what? so many other stories to tell you. So I woke up. This might have been like Tuesday morning. And I reached in to get my water bottle that I like to have nice and cold in the morning. Yeah. And it was not cold. And I thought at first I must not have closed it last night. And, like, made sure that it was closed. So then I was like, well, crap, I hope I didn't lose anything. But at that point, everything was still okay. Like, the milk was still okay. All of that was fine. And so I left for work and made sure that the door was closed. Came back and it was still not quite up to temperature. But I still thought maybe it just takes some time, whatever. And then I went to bed that night and woke up on Wednesday morning and checked again. And it was seemingly tepid again. Or just, like, even warmer than it was. No. So then I contacted my landlady, and she was like, isn't this a new fridge? And I was like, oh, I mean, relatively new. It was brand new when I moved in, which was three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if you buy the cheapest, you know, refrigerator you can, maybe it's not going to last more than that. But anyway. So at this point, my only saving grace is that the freezer is still frozen okay but it's definitely showing signs of melting so we're gonna see i mean at this point i feel like everything in the refrigerator is a lost cause and i'm just gonna have to put it in a big old you know garbage garbage bag bag. but i'll wait until the day before garbage day because i don't want it to like attract rats that's the last thing i need yeah (laughs) anywho i'm trying to have a good attitude about it (laughs) this is so sad i know and so now sweet pea was like Literally at the refrigerator, scratching on it with both paws, just going just like that. And she won't stop. And I think it's because she smells rotting food. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm laughing. Mm, it's better than that's crying. All, that's what you can do. <laughs> it's what I can do. That's what you can do. You know oh, but I, I have a service call because then, then my landlady call? was like, here's the number for PC Richards. And I was like, oh, so I have a call. Anywho. So then I called and made an appointment for the earliest available, which they said was Tuesday. But then I got the confirmation. Did you pay for this? No, no. Okay. Um, I mean, it should still be under warranty, really. But I don't know if it is or not. But no, she's paying for it. Okay. Um, that's the perk of renting. Right. Uh, <laughs> but so then I, they said Tuesday, which is in like a couple of days. But then I got a confirmation text that said Thursday. So <laughs> it's fun. Lay down, buddy. Yeah. All right. So this is going to be known as the dog episode. The dog episode. And what else? What are you we going to talk about else today? There's rotting food. <gasps> Where? In the devil's back porch. Oh my goodness! And you know who lived in the devil's back porch? Who? Clyde Barrow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> are we talking about Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> <laughs> 
This is actually one of those shows that I wish, wish, wish I had gotten to see before it closed. Well, I mean, you can do like I did and go on YouTube and watch it. I have heard there's the whole show. The whole show. That's awesome. (laughs) I think that's awesome. So that I that's what I did that Mm -hmm. that actually helped. So, guys, we're going to start out because although I hope believe <laughs> most of you do or have do know who bonnie and clyde is and have heard of them mm-hmm. um i am gonna like go through their story a little bit because it's basically the musical please <laughs> please tell us and and also because pamela and i not only love broadway but we <laughs> love the true crime yes we do we deeply love the true crime and so i was like this among a bunch of other episodes from last season was one of my favorite episodes to do because it mashed up Broadway and true crime. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's a great, and you know, honestly, too, like I love historical stories. Yeah. Like, I, you know, hist- history is fun, but only really if you get an amazing story yeah. to tell you what happened. Right. And we have an amazing story. We do. Bonnie and Clyde's a great story. Okay, so guys, uh, picture it. It's January Burr. 1930. Okay. <laughs> this is the day that Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow meet. It's January 5th, 1930. Bonnie is 19 years old and Clyde is 20. Clyde has just been released from prison for armed robbery. Now, like I said... The Devil's Back Porch is where Clyde Barrow came from. So the town he grew up in, that was its, its nickname because it was such a terribly poor mm. uh, neighborhood. Um, as a child, he wanted to be famous. He loved music and loved to play the banjo. Uh, a lot of histor- historical fiction has made it look like Clyde had always wanted to be a gangster. And so in the musical... Uh, they, you look at, you'll see Bonnie as a little girl and you'll see Clyde as a little girl and Clyde as Clyde is a little girl. (laughs) Clyde is a little boy. It's a progressive story. It's a progressive story. Uh, Clyde is a little boy. Sorry. Um, and he is talking about how much he wants to be like the famous gangsters. But Mm. in truth, when he was little, he wanted to be famous, but not necessarily a gangster. It was his brother that introduced him to a life of crime. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So his brother, Buck Barrow, Mm -hmm. introduced him into a life of crime. Buck Barrow. Buck Barrow. Mm. They first (laughs) began stealing chickens and then escalated to armed robbery. Wow. Now, Bonnie Parker had wanted to be a famous writer, actress, and singer. And actually, she did write a lot of poems that showed up in a bunch of the newspapers that they were featured in when they oh, were okay. doing their criminal activities. Yeah. Um, but in the town that uh, they both grew up in, in the Great Depression, the Great Depression had hit everyone very hard. Um, not to mention that, of course, Bonnie's only prospects at the time were like to be a waitress or a maid or do some other type of domestic employment. Right. Um, in order to escape what she felt was her inevitable demise, she married her high school sweetheart six days before turning 16. His name was Roy Thornton. So the entire time that Bonnie and Clyde were running this crime gang together, she was actually married. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I didn't but, know that. Yeah. She wore her wedding ring until the last day of her life. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But Roy Thornton had been a very popular boy in school and was good looking. But soon after they were married, she realized he was an abusive drunk and a criminal. Aren't in they 19- all? Yeah. In 1929, he was imprisoned for robbery. And although she wore her, like I said, wedding ring until the day she was killed, she never saw him after he was imprisoned. Wow. Poor Bonnie. Yeah. All she wanted to be was the Hollywood star. She wanted to be. She wanted to be. A- did well i mean she got famous yeah but after bonnie and clyde met in dallas texas police arrested him at bonnie's house he was sent to the county jail in waco texas to await his trial um and then while he was in jail in waco he wrote he was writing letters to bonnie so they were writing back and forth and he asked bonnie to get a gun he had hidden uh and bring it to bring it to him in jail so he like knew where the gun was he explained to her where it was and Mm -hmm. said like he wanted to bust out of prison so he asked her to help him (laughs) she hides the gun under her dress and brings it to him all of this is in the musical 
Okay. So I'm basically telling you a synopsis of, of the musical. So with the gun, like she leaves, she helped him escape by giving, giving him the gun, but she doesn't, she's not there when he escapes. Okay. Um, so he uses the gun to escape. They flee, but about seven days after they flee, they're arrested. Um, Clyde is given a 14-year sentence and is sent to a prison called the East Ham Prison Farm. But this prison is so terrible, its nickname is Bloody Ham because it's got the worst criminals oh, okay. in the state that go to this uh, particular prison. Sheesh. Uh, the prisoners are basically slaves, um, and they at most get like a five-minute break when they're doing their hard labor, mm-hmm. and that's just to like get a drink of water. Um, and then because they are surrounded by such heinous criminals, they're beaten, tortured, like all kinds of yeah. uh, terrible things happen. And so a man, a man named Ed Crowder took a particular liking to Clyde. Clyde was like small in stature. He was like less than five foot nine. Okay. Um, and just like a small slim build. And so Ed was a much bigger man than him. And, repeatedly raped him oh my gosh yeah was that in the musical actually yeah <gasps> oh my gosh yeah you don't see it happening but you know you that know it it's happened. happening Ugh. um and and jeremy jordan, jordan who who plays clyde barrow in the musical uh there's a scene where he's basically like begging the guards to stop Ed from doing what he's doing to mm-hmm. him. And they just basically like are joking and like say to him, Oh, you should be glad that, you know, he likes you. That's like a good sign or whatever. And just like laughing at him and allowing him to be beaten and raped. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, so to end the torment, Clyde lures Ed, uh, into, like a side room and he was like in some place in the bathroom um and actually beats him to death (gasps) wow uh but another inmate who already had a life sentence takes the blame for it instead okay um and then to avoid having to go out and work in the fields clyde asks one of the other inmates, he gives him an axe and asks him to cut off two of his toes so that he doesn't have to go back into the (laughs) And work in and work in the field, but yeah. while he was doing this, he didn't know that his mother was working on actually getting him uh, paroled. Wow! So, about six days after his toes are cut off, he's paroled. So he walks out on crutches. This is a good story. It <laughs> just keeps getting worse, <laughs> especially if you know the end of Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. So after being paroled, Clyde went back to his criminal ways. His most loyal associate was Raymond Hamilton. Um, And it was with Raymond that he committed his second murder while they were both in a drunken stupor. In December of 1932, Bonnie and Clyde added W.D. Jones, who was 16 years old and had been a childhood friend of uh, the the Clyde family. Now, W.D. is actually omitted from the musical. Okay. So... Most of the musical, like, you just have Bonnie and and Clyde. But then you'll also have Clyde's brother, Buck, and Mm -hmm. his wife, Blanche, play huge roles in the musical. Um, In March of 33, Clyde's brother, Buck, and his wife, Blanche, joined the crew just a few days after uh, Buck had been given a full pardon by the governor and was released from prison. Oh, my gosh. So the thing is, is initially, and this is in the musical... Uh, Blanche and Buck were trying to talk Clyde out of doing what he had been doing. Right. um, Buck was trying to, like, turn over a new leaf. And I think he was working at, like, their uh, father's gas station Mm -hmm. and just, like, really trying to be a better person. So he met up with Bonnie and Clyde to try to beg them to turn themselves in and, and stop this before, you know, they got killed or something. But instead, because Clyde was such a smooth smooth talker he was actually able to persuade buck to get back in the life yeah and so him and blanche went on the lamb with bonnie and clyde okay on july 19th of 33 the barrow gang which they were then called because there were it was raymond hamilton 
Um, it was Buck, it was Blanche, Bonnie, Clyde, and then another gentleman named Henry. I have his name here. Henry Medvin. Okay. They were all the Barrow Gang. So, uh, July 19th, 1933, the Barrow Gang was camping out at Dexfield Park mm-hmm. when Clyde and W.D. went to get some supplies. The pharmacist contacted law enforcement, uh, who then began to surveil the area uh, that they were thought to be staying at. At 11 p.m., a gunfight broke out with, between law enforcement and the Barrow gang. Okay. And Buck Barrow was mortally wounded, dying five days later in a hospital, and his wife, Blanche, was formally arrested. So all of this, again, is in the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Blanche is the only one that survives it, right? Well, uh, actually, next sentence. In September of 33, W.D. Jones left the gang and gave them up to the law in exchange for a softer sentence. Oh, okay. oh but he was out of the right, musical. Right, but That's he's not I'm put thinking. in the musical. Okay. But he, I mean, he, you can see video, you can see footage on this. I was mm-hmm. watching like a bunch of true yeah. documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you can, you can see a video of W.D. giving his testimony and stating that like he didn't have anything to do with the crimes really. It was mostly Clyde's doing and he was just like there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really just a piece of work. Yeah. It's. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then the final chapter on May 23rd, 1934, on a rural road in Louisiana, on their way to meet up with Henry Medvin's family, Bonnie and Clyde were shot to death by Texas law enforcement. Um, And like I said, Henry had been a part of the gang, but they were in the musical. They're supposed to be on their way to see their parents Mm because they actually did see their families quite often. Yeah. Um, And so because of this, law enforcement was able to easily track their whereabouts and like find out where they had just been. But because Clyde was such a fantastic driver and every car he stole Uh, had way more horsepower than any car that law enforcement agencies (laughs) had. He was always able to get away because of his driving skills. So, um, so they, they pretty much stayed within like a certain amount of like four state area. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would, because they were, uh, because all of their, uh, crimes were done, pretty close to where they were staying at the time because they would run out of money and then they would have to like do another crime in order to get more money. Mm -hmm. You know, they said the biggest take they ever made was about $2,000. But most of the time it could have been as small as 80 bucks. Wow. At that time, I'm sure 80 bucks wasn't during the great depression. Yeah. It wasn't much to sniff at in the musical. There's one place they go. That's a bank and the bank doesn't have any money. (laughs) <laughs> because it's the Great Depression yeah. and like nobody has any money. It's uh, it's just it was a rough time. It was a really rough time and you know like I I'm reading this story and you see that from the beginning of their lives until the end of their lives it was just this ridiculously constant struggle to just survive. Yeah. And while their decision about how they would try to survive is heinous. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to justify it under any circumstances whatsoever because 13 people were murdered during their crime spree. Um, I will say that, you know, it's a tough road. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a sad story. Yeah, it is. It's very sad. Sad story. All right. So, um, moving on to, the musical <laughs> and oh I to just as a sidebar if you have not watched the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde movie with Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty I highly suggest it's that so you do so good. with uh it's Maureen Staples 
No. Stapleton. Maureen Stapleton and Gene Hackman, Mm -hmm. which looks like my childhood pastor. My mom (laughs) and I, every time we would see Gene Hackman, we were like, that's Pastor Spiro. He looks like Pastor Spiro. Yeah. Um, It's great. And I watched a little like 20 minute documentary on that, too. And about the making of that. uh, Yeah. And also, I mean, it had it had this really great story because the movie was you watch this movie even now and it's not old. Like it doesn't Mm-mm. feel old. You don't look at it and you're like, this is so antiquated. It holds up. That's it continues cool. to hold yeah, up. It's true. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Not since I was a kid, but And he had to fight not only tooth and nail to get it made because he was looked at him and Faye were looked at as these pretty people that didn't have any brains, even though they actually <laughs> were pretty people with brains. Yeah. <laughs> um But then also, like, after it was made, Warner Brothers, like, the head of the studio, he he didn't like it. You know? And they all felt really strongly that what they had made was really good. And, of course, like, people in Europe were like, oh, we get this. This is awesome. So when Faye Dunaway goes to France and she sees all these people literally dressed up as her... But then, like, America, like, n- is not catching on. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, this this is a thing, and we need to continue to fight for it. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a great story. So, sidebar, Ugh. I would definitely watch the documentary I found on YouTube if you can, too. Totally. All right, so, actually moving on to the musical. <laughs> <laughs> the creative team for Bonnie and Clyde the Musical was headed by Frank Wildhorn. He was the composer. Uh, the book was written by Ivan Menchel, and the lyrics were by Don Black. Frank Wildhorn is known for writing Jekyll and Hyde, mm-hmm. The Scarlet Pimpernel, Victor Victoria, and Wonderland. I love me some Frank Wildhorn music. <laughs> Wonderland we'll talk about later on. The music. <laughs> well, here's the. Uh, I didn't see it, but I it, it, it no, goes I, I along with like sort of what happened yeah. to this production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and then Don Black wrote lyrics for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and Ivan Menchel wrote the book for Sunset Boulevard. All right, so Frank Wildhorn was a self-taught musician. Uh, he was a history major at the University of Southern California. So he came from California and moved here at the behest of James Nederlander Sr., mm-hmm. the producing and theater magnate who had heard some of uh, Wildhorn's songs for uh, Jekyll and Hyde, which was a hit in 97. Um, Wildhorn had been writing pop songs for Whitney Houston and Trisha Yearwood, to name a few. I didn't know that. that he made a ton of dough. That's the only reason he was able to write all the musical oh, theater because it. he was like, "I'm rich from the from California." Do you know what? I can come here that and sit and does make music. Not surprise me yeah. because the way that he writes is that he just writes all of these songs, these mm-hmm. separate songs, and he puts them in files. And then he, when he's doing a show, mm-hmm. he'll go, "Oh, you know what? That song would be good in this show. Oh, and that song would be good in this <laughs> show." He never really writes cohesively for one oh. particular project. Okay. Which I mean, I still love his music. I mean, the Bonnie and Clyde but, soundtrack is good. Yeah, I'm it sorry. Is good cast recording (laughs) i made a colossal mistake i'm very sorry yeah the cast recording is it's good i like it it's enjoyable to listen to and we haven't been able to listen to it made her broadway debut in it and she went on as bonnie she did she's amazing i love her (laughs) she's in school of rock right now i'm just dropping names like like they're so hot i can't handle them Uh, Bonnie and Clyde was conceived by Don Black and Frank Wildhorn following their collaboration on Dracula. It began as a 13-track demo recording before being molded into the full musical. All right, so next we're going to talk about the out-of-town tryouts. You're going to have to help me with the name because I always butcher it. Okay. La... Oh, La Jolla. La Jolla Playhouse. (laughs) I'm typing it, and I was like, I'm going to butcher this. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna need to ask her to help me again because I I always mess it up. La Hala. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> my, it's, well, okay, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but in case I haven't, I probably have. It doesn't matter. You're going to listen and you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a GPS that I could change the name of the, um, voices to. And uh-huh. so for a time I was using Daniel, the British male voice. <laughs> and so we were in California with Phantom and I was driving around and it said, turn right on La Jolla Boulevard. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing ever. I mean, it was so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. La Jolla. So, La Jolla Playhouse. Yep. All right. So, Bonnie and Clyde was part of the pipeline to Broadway series at La Jolla Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> the pipeline was started by Jack O'Brien of the Old Globe and Des McAniff. I think that's how, I don't know Looking how, you, I mean, it's, I'm, I've seen the name before, but I have no I idea how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, Des. You've done a lot of great things. Make I don't enough. mean to butcher your last name. I know. You've actually done a lot of great You work. have. You We've really seen have. your name a lot. We just haven't had any reason to say it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, McCannif? McCannif? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. It's okay. Uh, in the 80s. So uh, Jack O'Brien and Des started... The Broadway, uh, the Pipeline to Broadway series in the 80s. Bonnie and Clyde was the 17th show from this to move to Broadway. And it was said at the time that it would be the breakout show for Wildhorn, who was known to have a series of Broadway flops. Okay. Uh, He is one of the few composers ever to have three shows running on Broadway simultaneously, but he has had his rougher outings as well. Um, Including Dracula, the musical, which had a troubled debut at the Playhouse in 2001 and took another three years to reach Broadway for a relatively short run. Um, (laughs) The show had its world premiere at the La Jolla Playhouse in California in 2009 when Laura Osnes was Bonnie and Stark Sands was Clyde. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, He's too tall. (laughs) (laughs) I love me some Stark Sands, but if we're talking about him playing Clyde Barrow, he's too tall. He's too tall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It began previews on November 10th, 2009 and opened on November 22nd, 2009. And before it even officially opened, it was selling at 85% capacity. Okay. So they they felt like it was going to do really well. The La Jolla uh, run was 15 previews and 33 performances. It won five San Diego Theater Critics Awards that year. And following its success in California, Bonnie and Clyde opened at the A Solo Rep Theater. Am I sure. saying that right? Sure. Uh, Don't but. even worry about it, Ebony. I can feel people supporting you. <laughs> I hope so. Cause I'm supporting you. The thing is, it, who has heard these words out loud? <laughs> I mean, La Jolla, yes. Yeah. But, you know, it's you just do you, girl. <laughs> It's a rep theater in Sarasota, Florida. That's very important. Yes. So Jeremy Jordan took over the role of Clyde as Stark left to star in American Idiot on Broadway. I didn't know he was an American Idiot. Well, that was another blink of an eye show, wasn't it? I guess it lasted lasted longer than Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, it did. I had some friends in that, too. Yeah. And people really like like, uh, American Idiot. Yeah. I wanted to see it. I was on the I road. I like Green Day. Yeah, me too. I was on the road at the time. I think there was a touring company that may, it may have worked that I could have seen a show, but it just, I, I couldn't get it yeah. to work. I'm going, I'm going to tell a little story about American Idiot, actually. <laughs> okay, so I was leaving my job at the time, and I had a bunch of guy friends who I love them. Wonderful, wonderful dudes. Awesome dudes. <laughs> and... It was a real difficult time in our office at that point, too. But they were, like, the most supportive and the most wonderful. And so Josh, who actually listens to the podcast. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. <laughs> he, he was like, Eb, before you leave New York, where, like, what show do you want to see? So I gave him, like, a list of shows. And I thought, well, if I'm going with a bunch of dudes, of course they're going to want to see, like, American Idiot with me, right? Like, so I put American (laughs) Idiot on there because I really wanted to see American Idiot. But, like, they all vetoed American Idiot, and they were like, no, we're seeing the Frank Sinatra show. (laughs) Which, mind you, it was beautiful. I am not knocking it. God knows. Beautiful dancing. I am so thankful that, like, he he did that for me. It was the nicest, <laughs> sweetest thing yeah. a person could do for another person, that especially nice. somebody who loves theater as much as I do. Yeah. But 
but that was like, and then I left New York, so I that's why I didn't get, I didn't get to see mm. American Idiot. But I did say it was called uh, "Come Fly with Me." Yes, yeah. Beautiful I had some dancing. friends in that too. Some dancer friends in that. It was beautiful dancing. Truly. <laughs> okay. Just want to reiterate how many friends I have on Broadway. <laughs> I feel like this is the episode not only about my dogs, but about how many people I know in the given shows that we're talking about. (laughs) I promise I'm not really like that, but I am really proud of my friends. Yeah, (laughs) Everyone should be proud of their friends. Mm -hmm. It's a thing we should do and not like be jealous. Just be proud of people. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So an article that was written by James Herbert at the San Diego Tribune stated that the show was very different once it landed in Sarasota, Florida at the Asalo Rep Theater. Let's call it a solo. A solo? Sounds yeah, good. Why not? Like solo cups. Yeah. Okay. A solo. A solo. Director Jeff Calhoun said that he estimated the creative team changed about 70% of the show. Wow. Yeah. In an article Wait, written by... Wait, even from such a well-received show, they yeah. still changed 70% yeah. of it? Wow. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's on this show. For, it's on our <laughs> podcast for a reason. That's true. So there's always something that happens. Yeah. In an article written by Jay Handelman from the Herald Tribune, Calhoun said, some script changes by Ivan Menchel and shifts in staging have led to a stronger, more compelling production. So they felt like the changes yeah. made it even better. All right. So they were hoping like this would be a, stint, a cinch. And of course, like I said, everyone thought this was going to be the breakthrough for Frank Wildhorn. Although La Jolla Playhouse gave 500000 to support the show, uh, there was also enhanced funding. Um, for an undetermined amount by Broadway producers. So it had this extra funding throughout the La Jolla Playhouse production and also at the Asolo Rep Theater production. Mm-hmm. Um, the Asolo Rep Theater production determined whether the show was going to go to Broadway or not. So this was the big one. They were like, this has to work. Okay. Because if it doesn't, it's not going to go to Broadway. Wow. Previews began at the Asolo Rep on November 12, 2010, and it opened on November 19th, having eight previews and 33 performances, which I feel like that's not really a lot when you've changed 70% of the show. I would agree with yeah. that. You know, like, it'd be one thing if you changed, like, 10%, but it sounds like a major overhaul was done to a show that everyone really loved. So Do we know what the changes were? Um, Did they go that into would, detail? You can Google it because it's going to take, because like seriously, no, it would okay. take forever. I wasn't sure if you had them in your notes or not. I, w- I saw them and I was like, I, we just have No, so it's much okay. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. We can all look it up <laughs> later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I will say like one of the things was, so I watched the YouTube, like I said, I watched the YouTube production and I. I feel like Jeremy Jordan and Laura Osnes had great chemistry. Yeah. But apparently, like, some people felt like that bit of casting change between Jeremy and Stark Sands was something that they felt like also made, uh, like, also contributed to it's people demise. not loving it so much. But I, I honestly, honest to God, I don't understand that. Because yeah. the chemistry, I thought, was off the chain. Wow. Yeah. I'm Yeah. In, I've seen Even some Even just clips. listening to the music, I don't know what people are talking about. Yeah. That's strange. Right? Yeah. But that's, I read that multiple times. Huh. Whatever. Yeah. Stark is too tall. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Stark Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we are on to Broadway. So the Oslo Rep Theater production goes really well. They decide it's going to Broadway. Previews began on November 4th, 2011 at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater with official blah. <laughs> Previews began on November 4th, 2011 at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater with the official opening on December 1st, 2011 following the 33 previews. However, due to poor ticket sales, the show closed early after just four weeks. Uh, I will read... I So guys, I think I've said this before. I don't really enjoy um reading the reviews because we try to just be really pro theater here Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's kind of necessary in order to discover why a show didn't last yeah because sometimes as we know from some of the other episodes that we've done 
sometimes the show closes solely based on the fact that they had bad reviews. Okay, so I'm I'm not even going to read the whole thing because honestly, it's it's one of the most scathing reviews I've ever Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And and I I musicals take so long to write and it's such hard work mm-hmm. and so I just feel bad. Um, so I'm I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Terry Teachout from the Wall Street Journal said Bonnie and Clyde isn't the worst musical to open on Broadway in the past decade. It is it isn't even the worst Frank Wildhorn musical to open on Broadway in the past decade. That would be Dracula, she said in parentheses. <laughs> oh, man. It is, however, quite sufficiently bad enough to qualify for the finals of this year's What Were They Thinking prize. Why would anyone not obviously deranged put money into a show with music by a composer whose last three Broadway outings tanked? And who thought it was a good idea to write a commodity musical whose title gives the impression that Bonnie and Clyde is based even though it isn't, on a 44-year-old movie that is no longer well-remembered, save by upper-middle-age baby boomers. So that's not not true, because we literally just talked about how it's an excellent movie. Well, and plus, it's not based on the movie. It's based on two people who were real-life people living in the 30s. So I don't even know if she... I don't know if she watched the movie. You know what? I bet Terry wasn't even old enough to know who Bonnie and Clyde are. And so she did a little. No, no, Terry. No, she did. Came up first. No, Terry Teachout. She's way <laughs> older she than us. She's an older lady. Yeah, she's way older than oh, us. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. No, no, she's older than <laughs> so she's us. She's old enough to know better. She said Bonnie and Clyde is so enervatingly bland and insipid that you'll leave the theater asking yourself why you ever liked musicals in the first place. I would like to say I saw the thing on YouTube and my God, have I seen so much worse than that. And that was actually enjoyable. I, I actually, I love to listen to this, the cast recording. I, but I will say a lot of, a lot of what people said happened with this show is like, people were like, Frank Wildhorn, we don't like his stuff. We're not going to like anything he does. Just like people do with Steven Schwartz all the time. Yeah. They just want to hate on. Yeah. Like anybody who gets any Haters kind of semblance of success has to be t- has to be torn down. Or someone that has been trying for so long and that doesn't give up. Someone that has the gall to keep on trying. Right. We have to just rip those people and put and take them off the pedestal that they've put themselves on. And I hate that. It makes me so sad and angry and dis- disheartened. Yeah. And it's not like we're saying Bonnie and Clyde is like this perfect musical. It is not. You know, here's the thing. But like, We've got a season and a half under our belts yeah. of shows that are far worse. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even really saying anything either. I mean. There's a lot of. Uh, actually, I will say there's a number of shows that we did that were actually really good. Art is subjective. It is. So you're never going to have a show that everybody loves no. and you're never going to have a show that everybody hates. There's yeah. always going to be parts, pieces and bits of each show that is that speaks to someone and right. that is that is the joy of theater. That's that is right. the joy of storytelling. That is the joy of art. That, and and yeah. the thing that the thing that has upsetted me the most about this is that like, we're the arts community. Yeah. Right? And so the whole, I feel like what what we should be embracing and what we should be encouraging are artists who continue to try and continue to uh, bring new voices and, and change things that haven't worked in the past and are trying to create something that is better than the last thing they did. Yes. And that's different than the last thing they did. And well, that's and what we should be encouraging. Absolutely. Is, Who wants the same old show? So Nobody like, wants the same old formula. If you're not even going to have an open enough mind to allow someone who's done something and maybe a few shows that you said, these I don't like any of these, every time they do something new, you have got to come with an open mind. Absolutely. And you cannot be bringing that baggage. Absolutely. Because how... We're, we're not a good community. We're not going to be a good community if we do not allow people to make mistakes, to yes. fail, have an open mind, and allow them to try and work hard to succeed. Like, that's what we need to be about. Preach. Okay, very 
upset about. No, me too. You, I mean, you. Because, like, in the same way, the flip annoys mm-hmm. me when somebody's done something really brilliant and then everyone expects everything they do to be about that one thing. Merrily we roll along. Yeah. Perfect example. You know, we have these two men, Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim, yeah. who he, we have put on a pedestal because of the wonderful work that they've done. Right. And then they have one show that isn't just immediately adored right. and suddenly i don't know can they make it You're, it's just you know what too critics i feel like can't really tell what they really feel because if they did and it was all good nobody would buy those newspapers mm-hmm. there's this well i almost said it before and i'll say it now we are always trying to up the ante. We are, right. you know, as, you know, in this, in theater, the story always needs to be progressive because mm-hmm. if we stay in the same place, we can never grow. Right. We have fallen stagnant in TV land with reality right. TV. Yeah, it's true. It's the exact same formula. So every show, regardless of whether it's The Bachelor or Millionaire Matchmaker or... I don't even know any of the Big Brother. I don't know. All of these reality TV shows, they're all the same formula. They're always the same stock characters that are, you know, that are brought in as cast members and nothing ever changes. And as Americans, we've fallen into this kind of sense of comfort, Mm -hmm. knowing that if I turn on the TV, I know I'll see something that I like. Mm -hmm. But artists can't do that we Mm -hmm. physically cannot let ourselves turn stagnant Mm -hmm. we have to create something because the second we feel comfortable we are uncomfortable it's intrinsic in us there's just no getting past that Mm -hmm. that you know that's our you know whether you're drawing painting writing a book doing a you know performing Mm -hmm. in a show writing a show all of that stuff you like Mm -hmm. there's always like even when i was doing wicked it's the same show every single night but it's never the same show every single night there's always these little bits of spark and life and honesty that come from whatever happened in the day Mm -hmm. or, you know, like there's just, it's so magical to Mm -hmm. me. And so the fact that critics and just naysayers in general can put, you put us in a box. You just can't put us in a box. You just can't because we're too big for that box. You cannot find a big enough box to put us in. We are always going to explode out of it. I feel it's like guys all we're saying is like give a person a chance. Yes. Let That's us we're let us to fail be. or succeed on our own merits. Okay. <sighs> I think oh, so I, I there's we're Yeah. I'm I still just want to read <laughs> this one bit mm-hmm. because I do feel like just to end on like a bit of a happier note. Yeah. Ben Clyde's done in high schools, it's done in regional <laughs> theaters, it's done in community theaters like it's had a whole life. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. And you know what? Who knows that if it's not, you know, it, maybe one of these days it'll come back to Broadway. Could could do. Because I think, too, it was the timing, because uh, it was January that it opened. Is that what you said? It was December. December. Like, it's totally that, it's that like the kiss of, of like death. Winter. Yeah. Good. It's hard. Timing-wise, it's hard to open any show at that time of year because tourists aren't here anymore. So it's very difficult to find an audience base regardless of whether the show is good or not. So I think that if it comes back, it will be successful. I'm going to just say that right now. Well, you know, I, I, it has like this massive following now. Yeah. So maybe it'll be like how she loves me was like oh, the first yeah. time. Anywho. Okay. So what was the last so part? The that last gonna... that I want to do is I just want to read the poem that Bonnie Parker wrote about her and Clyde. Please go ahead. <laughs> and the poem is called, and you should know it, if you don't, Google it, The Story of Bonnie and Clyde. You've read the story of Jesse James, of how he lived and died. If you're still in need of something to read, here's the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Now, Bonnie and Clyde are the Barrow Gang. I'm sure you all have read... How they rob and steal, and those who squeal are usually found dying or dead. (laughs) There's lots of untruths 
to these write-ups, they're not so ruthless as that. Their nature is raw, they hate all the law, the stool pigeons, spotters, and rats. This is a lot longer than I thought it was. <laughs> I'm going to gonna skip thing. down because the ending is the most famous part. Awesome. This is so much longer than wow. I thought. Right? She Bonnie was, was long-winded. I know, she was. Uh, okay. Guys, I skipped a part. Google it. Okay. <laughs> if they try to act like citizens and rent them a nice little flat, about the third night, they're invited to fight by a subgun's rat-tat-tat. They don't think they're too tough or dis- desperate. They know that the law always wins. They've been shot at before, but they do not ignore that death is the wages of sin. Someday they'll go down together, and they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Again, written by Bonnie Parker. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, knowing the end of the story, yeah. that is really profound. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So that's the story of Bonnie and Clyde, the people well in the musical, told. true crime and Broadway together. <laughs> in a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> hey, everybody, can you do us a favor? Check us out on Facebook, uh, Theater Geeks Anonymous, on Twitter, at TGA. B-way. <laughs> uh, you can also send us an email directly, TGABWay at gmail.com. We are on SoundCloud and Stitcher for Yay. you Android users. We are also still on iTunes for anybody else. <laughs> and everybody else. And everyone. <laughs> um, rate, uh, review, subscribe, mm-hmm. like, share, follow, mm-hmm. do all the things. Do all the things. We love you. Thanks yeah, for listening. Thank you so much for listening. You guys, guys are awesome. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.